This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Daniel Al-Sudini. He's based overseas. He's an employee at a current company and can't wait to break free. For your chance to win 100 bucks, Top Tribe, simply subscribe to the podcast now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. I give away 100 bucks every Monday. Many people ask me what tool I used to sell my first company, Heyo. The answer is thetopinbox.com. I used it to send emails, schedule emails to be sent out later, and set reminders inside my inbox so I would know when potential buyers were actually interested, and I easily remember to follow up with ones that hadn't replied to me. You can try it for free at thetopinbox.com. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 534. And coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Dominic Vasikar. He's the 24-year-old founder, is now a venture capitalist at Hummingbird VC in Europe. How'd he do it so young? Top Tribe, good morning. Nathan Latka here. Our guest today is Darian Shirazi. He is the CEO and co-founder of Radius. He was an early employee at Facebook and worked out on the Sell Your Item team at eBay. He's founded, invested in, and advised many successful technology companies. Prior to starting Radius, Darian studied computer science and philosophy at UC Berkeley. He's also a prominent keynote speaker on the topic of technology innovation. Darian, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, thanks for coming on. So you were one of actually the first 10 employees at Facebook. You decided to leave to do undergrad. I sure hope your, your options vested before you left. <laughs> yeah, they treated me very well. Um, <laughs> very, very well. It was, uh, it was an interesting time. Uh, I definitely left at the right time. I, I definitely worked on a lot of really great projects, worked with some great people. Um, Which was, was your ex- favorite, favorite project? My- Favorite project was definitely something we called facelift, which was the move from the Facebook to Facebook. We re-architected a lot of the site. We um, launched high school along with that. There were a lot of projects that we did during that time, which were a ton of fun. So in your, in your opinion, is Mark the same guy today as he was back then? You know, I, I think that he's a genius. You know, he's, he's definitely understands how to build great companies, build great teams. Um, at the time, he was really product focused. He's always been product focused. And that's, uh, that's what makes for great entrepreneurs, ones that are product focused and think about how to build the best product for customers. And it, that, that's what he taught me, which was always build the best products first. And then the revenue and the users will come after that. So it's, uh, it's, it, I think he's definitely doing a lot of the right things. And I think Facebook has you know, many decades of success and growth ahead of it. Last question on this before we get more into radius. Uh, yeah. When Mark disagrees with someone and wants to try really hard to convince them of something, maybe it's Cheryl over an ad product. What <laughs> strategy does he use? Uh, maybe even if it was to, to convince people. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't really think of a time in which there was anyone that was at odds with each other because the best decision really made sense. So um, I, I think that it's uh, being a CEO is about being a, a consensus builder. And then when there is conflict, you know, making a really clear cut and strong decision. And he never had trouble doing that. And that's something that I, I hope I do a good job of as well at Radius. So tell us about Radius. What do you guys do and how do you generate revenue? 
So Radius is all about growing pipeline for B2B marketers. We start with a few key things and we go into a customer and our, our, our biggest and best fit customers are typically enterprise and mid-market companies that have a desire to grow pipeline in the B2B space. Um, and so what we do is we usually come in and we first fix the data. We in, employ a data stewardship project or sort of uh, implementation to allow people to have the best CRM and marketing automation information. And then after we've built that data stewardship program, we layer on use cases, allowing them to predict who their next best customer is going to be, give them net new leads, have them target existing open opportunities, allow them to direct target businesses and business contacts on Facebook, Twitter, display advertising networks, or over the phone and email. But realistically, the whole foundation of the product starts with the Radius Business Graph, which is a data set of 20 million companies and 30 million contacts. And this data set is refreshed every two weeks. But the way we build the data set is that our customers actually contribute and improve our core data set with their CRM data. So sales activity information that are in our customers' CRMs, we use that to validate phone numbers or email addresses, et cetera. So it's really this virtuous cycle where we get customers to opt into giving us access to their data in an anonymized and aggregated fashion. And then what we do is we help them improve their CRM data and marketing automation data. And then we layer on predictive and multi-channel to really drive pipeline and growth for their B2B organization. And in terms of this business uh, graph, uh, Darian, I mean, how does this compare to something like, you know, uh, a Mattermark or CB Insights? Yeah, it's, it's very different. So those data sources are typically either crawled or they're aggregated from publicly available data sources. Our data set is actually powered by our customers. That's an, it's, there's an inherent network effect that actually drives the quality. So, you know, we have enterprise customers and mid-market customers with some pretty impressive logos, things like Sam's Club, companies like Sam's Club, First Data, American Express, et cetera. And a, a good number of the, you know, hundreds of customers that we have connected to the platform are opting in, actually 99% are opting into giving us access to their CRM activity data. And that activity data allows us to improve the quality of our information, whether it's modeling employee count of businesses or seeing whether a contact has moved from one business to the other. We have primary source data that actually allows us to have the best accuracy. All these other sources, whether it's Dun & Bradstreet or Mattermark or DataFox or you know, Net Prospects or ZoomInfo, these are all really handicapped by the fact that they're relying on publicly available data sources that tend to be very inaccurate. I and see. so our unique differentiator is that network effect. And that goes back a lot to how Facebook operates is that, you know, Facebook is only valuable because people update their profile information and that network effect enhances the social graph. At Radius, it's very similar is that companies opt in to giving the refreshes and changes in their CRM information which is that network effect that makes our business profiles and our business contact profiles of the highest quality. And then, okay, so I want to well, I, I get more into kind of the CRM integrations you currently have and what the plan is moving forward there to increase and, and make your data set even stronger and the value of the customer stronger. But first, give us some high-level history. What year did you found the business in? Uh, so we, we started working on the business in about 2011. We were working on something else for a few years before that that we pivoted out of. And then we launched the product in 2013 into private beta and started selling it in early 2014. So it hasn't been that long since we started selling the product and the company hasn't been around for that long. But now we actually have about more than a petabyte of data that we process on a daily basis of customers that are contributing to our data set. 
and then also that are pulling from us as well. And how sorry, how many customers are you guys at today? It's it's in the hundreds now. So okay. we definitely have many customers, mostly in the mid market and enterprise, that are connected to the graph and contributing and, and getting value out of the predictive technology and multi channel technology. More, more or less than five hundred. <laughs> less than five hundred. And are and those logos the re- or seats on the logos? Oh no, those are logos. Those are okay. logos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Many, and, many and seats. Well, typically the seats, what's interesting is that it's not really a seat model. It's more a, a B2B organization will buy it for their, for their pipeline team. So sales okay. ops, marketing ops, marketing analytics will use it. And so it's, that's why it's not a seat model. It's much more getting the companies on it. So you may have only three to four people at a company using Radius, um, deploying campaigns out, pushing campaigns to sales reps, et cetera, making sure the data is high quality and doing multi-channel campaigns. So it's really about getting more and more companies and use cases at those companies on the platform. And, and remember, most of our customers are, are big companies like a Sam's Club, Walmart, or an American Express, et cetera. A lot of the companies that are kind of your size, maybe in your space or not in your space, they drive expansion re- revenue based off seed expansion. You're choosing to use, it sounds like, kind of use case expansion. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yeah, it's use case expansion, data consumption, increase, in, expansion as well. Um, whether they integrate into multiple platforms. So, you know, if they have a marketing automation solution, we integrate with Eloqua and Marketo. But all those are upsells, right? All those extra kind of use cases? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's really about tying it to marketing ROI and tying it to pipeline ROI. That's how we think about it rather than a seed model. Got it. And what's current team size? Currently, we have about 150 people. Um, We have about 100 in San Francisco that are development and product and inside sales. And then the rest are throughout the country, field or CSMs. And we have a small design team in Austin, actually, as well. Oh, very good. Okay. And what is the uh, funding history? How much have you guys raised total? You know, we've raised about $100 million. Um, Our investors are uh, Formation 8, Joe Lonsdale, who founded Palantir. We've also got Peter Thiel from Founders Fund. We've got uh, Blue Run Ventures that invested in Waze, PayPal, and a bunch of other companies. Um, Salesforce Ventures is a large investor as well. So we've got really, really good funding and backers behind us that can help us think through scale and growing the business. But we've also, we've also got a lot of that capital left. We've, we've been very, very, very focused on being capital efficient and building the right products and getting the right customers and, and good revenue on the platform, getting people that really are getting value to pay rather than you know, a bunch of deals that necessarily will churn later. So our retention in the enterprise is actually north of 93%, which is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So you're, you're, you're way less. Well, you're definitely sub 1% gross monthly customer churn. Uh, Oh yeah. We're, we're, our, 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 we actually in the enterprise are seeing that actually go to no churn at all. Actually zero. I'm not counting negative. I'm not counting upsells and increases as well. And also building deferred revenue, multi-year deals, all of those kinds of things are what we're seeing in the enterprise, which is really nice. Are you are right now? So it's December 2016. As we're recording this, is most of your month over month month growth coming from new customer ads or your inside sales team driving expansion revenue around use cases? It's a combination. You know, it's it's okay. really a combination. the The nice thing about that is that we go into uh, an enterprise customer, a really big logo, and we may start at a, a smaller deal, and within the first eight months, we've tripled that deal size. That's very very common. And the reason why is that I think that the implementation time is only about 18 days for us, which is really, really short. It's actually much shorter than marketing automation or CRM. 
So customers start to see value very quickly. Our goal in the first 90 days of a contract is to get a customer up and running and seeing value such that when it comes to an upsell, we actually don't really have to say much. It just is obvious that they want to expand use cases. And then give us a sense. You said like a small contract value, but we don't have any kind of relative points for that. What, give us a sense of pricing. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, it really depends. In, in the enterprise, you, we, we have deals that are multi-million. We have deals that start out in the, you know, six figures, low six mm-hmm. figures, and then upsell pretty quickly from there. So you're talking about you know, really contract depends. value? And, yeah, ACV. Okay. And what, I mean, what's your average ACV, would you say? I, I don't really want to share that right now because it's really uh, it's something that we're we're still seeing a lot of growth uh, quarter over quarter on, and it's it's kind of a, a number that we'll probably share in middle of next year. We're really Darian, excited you're, about. You're that. killing me. You're going to come back on my show and release it, right? Mid I'll come next back year. on your show. You invite me back, and we can talk about all those things. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's go into. Uh, I always like asking this question because it's usually embarrassing, but it gives new entrepreneurs hope and energy. Do you remember what your first year revenue was? <laughs> Our first year revenue, um, it was just shy of a million dollars annually. Yeah, and was that in 2014 when you came out of private beta? Um, it was at the end of. It was. At, I think it was. It was hard to measure because we actually changed fiscal years. But the first year that we started really actively selling, that was that was it. And it was literally it. me and one other sales rep. <laughs> That's awesome. How yeah. did you get the thing coded? Did you have a did you have a co-founder who's tech or what? Yeah, we. Have, I actually have two co-founders, Adrian and Noah. One is uh, a WCS from Berkeley and Mackie. So he's brilliant and, and a technical, very, very incredible technical co-founder. And then Noah is, you know, a designer and product specialist and really thought of how do we sync people's CRM data, make a living, living and breathing form of their data asset that sits beneath CRM and marketing automation and drive that network effect. And, and we worked on it, but it, it was pretty apparent to us early on that we had to hire a relatively large data science and data engineering team that can help us build out the foundations here. This was not an easy point solution that could be built by three people. It really required a team to get it right. And it also required in conjunction to have customers contributing data to the graph. So when we first started selling, it was very, very tough because we felt like we were doing a lot of things paralyzed, trying to drive network effects, trying to get customers to use it and find value, and also building out aspects of the product that we didn't have yet. So we, we hired some incredible people, some from lots of enterprise software companies or companies that had specialized in machine learning and data science and built out that team and, and really focused on the product roadmap. Coach that's me always, up. Go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so I just had Andy on, the founder of Benchmark Capital and now CEO of Wealthfront. You know, they've raised a similar amount of money to you guys. And it was interesting to hear him talk about CAC to LTV ratios. Help me understand how you're thinking about that. Uh, it sounds like your LTV, like your lifetime value is continuing to increase over time. But how do you think about the ratio between those two metrics? Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, you know, in Wealthfront's business, the CAC LTV is really highly formulaic because they're going after consumers and those consumers contribute a certain amount of AUM. In our business, it's a little bit different because we sort of think about it as how do we get these incredible enterprises to start looking at the platform, put us through InfoSec, put us through a lot of these different uh, hurdles to make sure we can get access to their data because we are doing something that's relatively high security. All right, um, what's that mean? What do you mean put them through InfoSec? I've never heard of that. No, we, we would have to go through their InfoSec. So one of the things about our sales cycle is that because we're syncing to their CRM or to their marketing automation solution, we have to go through a lot of security review. We have to make sure that we're SOC 2 type 2, SOC 2 type 1, 
We have to have cloud security alliance, a lot of these standards to really make sure that customers trust us and customer trust is our number one value. So the sales cycle is usually front loaded with all of that, that work to make sure that the customer gets very comfortable with what we're doing. So, um, but what's interesting is that these deals, when you, we have a few customers in the fortune 50 and in the fortune 50, there usually are nine to 10 departments that may leverage radius. So potential deal value in that, in that large of an enterprise could be, you know, $10 million could be even more um, over, over a year or multi-year deal. Uh, over a multi-year deal, or even in five years from now, it could be 10 million ACV. It could be in that, it could be that size because of the use cases, because of how they're attributing it to pipeline. So for us, our CAC to LTV, it is a little bit different when we estimate it over what the contract growth is going to be. So typically what we do is we look at, okay, how fast do we expect contracts to grow in the enterprise? How is that trended historically? And then what can we justify in terms of spend? Now, what makes it also a little bit different and almost every enterprise marketer is going to say is going to agree with me on this is that when you are when you are when you have customers that are big enterprise logos, you typically rely on event marketing, things like Dreamforce, things like the Marketo Summit, things, et cetera. And it's really hard to measure CAC to LTV when you're spending on those types of events. And typically all the other marketing programs that you're doing, whether it's webinars or whether it's content marketing or buying ads, those are usually funnel accelerants. They're not top of funnel acquisition because it's typically people that will usually be implementing your solution inside of the enterprise, not necessarily the decision maker that'll sign up for a webinar. So, so Darian, you know what you know what everyone's thinking right now? Who's a, who's a sophisticated kind of B2B person? They're going, Darian, this is a sexy way to say you're acquiring customers unprofitably right now. <laughs> That's not true, actually. <laughs> I would I would disagree with that. I would say that, well, I mean, look, most SaaS companies are definitely acquiring customers if you can show incredible growth. I mean, when we're doing, you know, 3X year over year. And is that what you're doing? We're in some cases, in some quarters, doing more than that, actually. Wow. And we're seeing that level of growth, especially with, you know, upsells in the enterprise and also uh, inc- increased new customer acquisition. When we see that level of growth, then it makes sense to pour fuel on the fire if it's unprofitable. But if we wanted to be profitable about how we acquire customers, that would actually be totally possible. And I think that would be possible for companies even like Salesforce or Marketo or any of these others. In the mid-market, that CAC LTV formula is very, very easy to calculate. For us, it's it's something we track, but we look at, okay, what is the budget of these companies that we're going after in the marketing space and how much would they potentially spend with us over the next five years? And then it looks incredibly profitable. So, well, so then what, what do you track that back for me though? So let's say you mm-hmm. get all those numbers and let's say it's $10 million. How do you yeah. then get to the number that you're willing to buy them for? <laughs> uh, it's, it's something that we we've calculated internally and it's, it's really dependent on the, the size of the company, the logo, and really what, how much we're willing to spend to acquire that customer. But I one can third tell a budget, you one fifth of budget. Uh, I'm sorry. Say again. One third of the budget long-term one sixth of the budget. What's the ratio? You're killing me, Nathan. You want all Did these you range? <laughs> Give me a range. Coach us up. <laughs> I can tell you that our marketing budget is uh, I- incredibly cheap. We don't spend that much on, on our marketing acquisition costs. I think our biggest budgetary item is definitely Dreamforce. And then beyond that, it's, what do you it's spend very, on Dreamforce? I'm sorry. What do you spend on Dreamforce? Uh, we were platinum this year. So that gives you sort of a sense as to where we spent in Dream, on Dreamforce. I haven't um, downloaded their sponsor pack. What does that cost? Uh, it, the, the cost for a platinum sponsorship is about a million dollars. Got it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it was, it was a fantastic event for us. 
actually it was, it was incredible. We had, you know, thousands and thousands of lead scans. We had uh, customers that were, you know, on the fence that we closed at Dreamforce. We added a ton of new pipeline, even for Q4. And typically Dreamforce pipe shows up in Q1 in terms of its qualification and getting through the sales cycle. We saw stuff that just is going to close in in Q4 as a result of how well Dreamforce went. And that was your largest kind of marketing spend in 2016? It's been the largest marketing spend every year we've been around. And we did, you know, we started at uh, silver, then we went to gold this year, we did platinum next year, we'll do platinum again. Um, it's uh, it, Dreamforce really is an incredible way to grow a pipe because all the decision makers for all of your customers and SaaS are, are right there. Benioff missed off, uh, missed LinkedIn. Is this your soft pitch, Jim, to have you be their next 1.6, $1.8 billion acquisition? <laughs> um, you are very smart to see that it is highly, <laughs> it is highly competitive to what Microsoft will do with LinkedIn. Um, and it's, uh, it, I, I will say that Salesforce definitely needs to figure out how they, how they go after Microsoft LinkedIn's combined solution. Well, so Darian, hold on, let me yeah. push that further real quick because we, just cause we're running out of time. I don't mean to cut you off, but pre-call, no, you mentioned you're about to integrate with Microsoft CRM. Is that a direct play to basically say, Hey, Salesforce, here's a way in since you missed LinkedIn. No, it's not at all. It's actually customer demand. Um, we actually have our inbound shows incredible demand for Microsoft Dynamics CRM. We actually already have customers that use Microsoft Dynamics CRM and use our our, our file upload system, which is not as good of a salute as an, an, as good of an integration as a CRM integration directly. And we sort of saw we can expand the TAM for ourselves dramatically. Total addressable market, guys. Yeah, total addressable market. Yeah, we can expand the total number of companies that could buy from Radius uh, dramatically by integrating with Microsoft Dynamics. And, you know, the the Microsoft team has been incredible to partner with, too. They they definitely want to help us fund aspects of the development of the integration. They want to help us, you know, with marketing the integration. These are all things that are really great to see out of partners. And, you know, Salesforce is also an incredible partner as well. And the way we see it is how can we just increase the TAM for ourselves to make sure that we have as many customers that are going to get value out of the product as possible. All right. So but, yeah. there. Go ahead, Darian. Did you want to add any more about your CRM kind of integration expansions? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to integrate as well with Salesforce Pardot. That's something that's very interesting to us. We see a, a good amount of demand for that as well. And, um, you know, we're going to, the next year is just going to be a ton of integrations with Adobe marketing cloud as well. And, and really making sure that we close the gap between all of the customers, all the customers that have all these systems to integrate with them and drive value. Your last funding was series F, right? 50 million, July 29th, 2015. Yeah. All the information online is pretty inaccurate. It's so funny how inaccurate it is. Um, you know, we raised, we actually, we raised a little bit less than that. Um, and you know, it's, it's been fantastic. I'm sorry. Is the timing right? The timing is right. Yeah. The timing is right. And, um, you probably will see something out of us pretty soon. And that was about to say, well. you're, either, you're either raising the timing that was over a year ago. So you're either raising right now or you're being bought right now. Which one is it? <laughs> it's a good question. You know, it, this asset, this asset is in demand. And I can tell you that I struggle every night with, you know, wh- which one of those options to take. But I, I will, I will say that we're going to do what's best for the business always. And uh, you're going to see some really interesting stuff coming out of us in the next coming months, uh, whether it's product, whether it's funding, whether it's hiring, you know, it's all up and to the right with us right now. Are you guys liking Darian or what? Fun guy, all right? Darian, where's the best place for folks to connect with you online if they want to follow your journey building Radius? <laughs> um, the, at Darian314 on Twitter, um, or you can email me, CEO at Radius.com. 
folks, I may have to stop doing the podcast. I will tell you why. I have found a business and I'm ready to go all in. It's the one I want to take public by the time I turn 30. It's called the topinbox.com. And here's why I know it's going to be big, very big. There are so many other companies charging way too much for this right now. Yesware, ToutApp, Boomerang. That's to do things like send later reminders and auto follow-ups for salespeople inside of your Gmail inbox. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it for free. We have so many people using it. It's growing so fast. And we do many of the things that salespeople love. We don't require people to leave the inbox to go log into a website. It's so simple to use. And I have to tell you, I mean, salespeople are like drooling over this thing. They're like licking the, the drool off their keyboard. They're loving this thing so much. The topinbox.com. Go install it now. Use it for free, people. Okay, I like you because you're listeners. Use it for free before I decide to start charging for it. Go right now to the topinbox.com. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can see Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, Top Tribe, we'll link to that in the show notes at nathanlacka.com forward slash the top 534. Again, that's forward slash the top 534. Darian, five last rapid-fire questions, one-word answers. You ready? Yep. Number one, favorite business book? Uh, definitely the essays of Warren Buffett. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, definitely Mark Benioff. I'm very, uh, he's, he's a very interesting guy and, and his books are fantastic as well. Number three, favorite online tool? Favorite online tool. That's a good question. Probably Yesware. Number uh, four, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? No. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Uh, engaged. Oh, very congratulations. So no kids? Thank you. No, no kids. And how old are you? I am 29. I will be 30 in exactly 14 days. Oh, congratulations. The last question. <laughs> Take us back nine years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, how? Uh, that's a really good question. I actually don't have a good answer, but probably how much harder building a business is than you originally thought and how once you get to scale, how amazing it feels. How <laughs> once you get through the tough work, getting to scale and how incredible scale feels. Top tribe. There you have it from Darian, one of the first 10 employees at Facebook, went and got his undergraduate degree, then jumped in, built Radius. Uh, they were uh, they pivoted in 2013 in private beta, launched in 2014, did a million bucks in first year revenue, have a little less than 500 customers, over 100 million bucks raised. They have less than 1% gross monthly churn or said otherwise 93% annual retention rate. They're focused on helping, again, uh, be predictive in the B2B space, help companies grow faster, especially considering their Radius business business graph with their team of over 100 folks based in San Francisco and throughout the United States. Darian, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed Darian today, go back and listen to Kate yesterday. Kate raised 1.5 million bucks and just passed 100,000 in monthly recurring revenue, helping 800 customers manage and track documents. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. 
How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. 